You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Uh, We've been moving through Matthew, and today we're going to look at a short parable. But first, a story. A story that maybe you yourselves have uh, identified with at some point in your life. Um, We probably maybe all have that friend. But my my story, this particular case, I'll start in college. So in college, I really felt like I was meeting the Holy Spirit in a way that I hadn't before. Uh, Most of my life up until college was, hey, what's the Holy Spirit all about? Well, he lives inside of you. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it gives you warm, fuzzy feelings that you're saved. Okay, God sent us his spirit to do that. That's the point of it. (laughs) Uh, And a lot of times I've missed kind of all that. Well, there's a whole lot more. You can do healing, you can do miracles or signs and wonders. The things that Jesus did, he did because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. So since human beings are inspired by the Holy Spirit as well, they can move in the same things. In fact, Jesus said, crazier things than I've done, you'll do as well. So now I start learning about the Holy Spirit. I start learning um, the way in which he works in college. I start reading my Bible as though the Holy Spirit is real and the things that he does can happen. And I start seeing it. I start seeing crazy things everywhere. A lot of you have kind of heard my testimony on this or um, seen the things that I've already said about it and written about it. Um, but the focus that I have tonight is, is on the people I met along the way. They're great people, wonderful people. And we started doing ministry together. Um, and they were much more seasoned than me when it came to knowing the Holy Spirit and walking in his power and his, his, uh, authority. And so I really looked up to them. They were like, uh, the stars in my life, you know, like, They're the kind of people who could sense the Holy Spirit in ways that make you feel weird. You ever have any friends like that? Like you'll be sitting around a table just eating food like you are tonight. And one of them will just be like, oh, you'd be like, what, heebie-jeebies over there? (laughs) No, did you just feel that? No, I did not. (laughs) I'm the person who feels nothing half the time. I feel like God's gifted me in other ways, but the like... Feeling something internal like this moment of sometimes I sense it happens, but a lot of times it's just like, nope, I'm not catching wind. You'll be in a prayer service and these people around just like, oh, yes, Father, there you are. I'm like, what, he wasn't here before? You know, like, <laughs> trying to figure out what's happening right now. Why does everybody else sense it but me? And I shared a story once about uh, a prayer tunnel I walked through, right? Like this is this is like the the climax of Jamin sensing nothing. <laughs> we're, we're down south at this big prayer revival thing. God's been pouring out. The guy's like just got a water bottle and everywhere he flicks his water bottle, water lands on people and those people plummet to the floor under the power of the spirit. And I'm just like, this is chaos. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it's really interesting to watch what God's doing, but I just get none of it. You know, like I don't think all these people are faking this. That just seems crazy. That's even more crazy than, you know, <laughs> the fact that it's actually happening in front of me. So I'm trying to process this. And at one point they're like, OK, so our staff's going to come on stage. There's like 50 of them. We're going to make uh, just like, you know, 25 people down this way, 25 people down the other. You're going to walk down through the middle. We'll pray over you and we'll just see what God does. And so like mass chaos ensues. 
There's like hundreds of people at this event. They start going down the middle and like, you know, this thing stretches across the stage like four times the size. But the moment people get into prayer tunnel, they just like fall over. And I just remember like the craziness of like people coming and picking them up by the arms and the legs, taking them off stage and laying them on the ground, just like piles of people out there. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit doing his thing while they're lying there. And one of my friends was one of the ones who got up. She's like, yeah, I just like had this vision while I was down there. And then she explained it and it was so crazy. It didn't make any sense. You know, like I'm just like, all right. And just, what does that mean? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know like, and this is just the craziness, you know? And then Jamin enters the tunnel. He's like, this is it. At the climax of the insanity, it's going to happen. I'm going down. Here we go. What is this thing all about? I don't know. I might die tonight. You know, like, it's getting ready. I enter the tunnel. I'm like, okay, I'm lasting longer than everybody else. Ah, oh, crap. There's the end. And we're done. Okay, I, I got nothing. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe my fingers feel a little tingly. Maybe. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to do right now. Like, that was my experience there and many of the other times. I watched them fall under the power of the Spirit, have moments where they just know the Spirit's there constantly. But Jamin, nothing. <laughs> so I continually looked up to them, you know, like, man, just to have these powerful manifestations, these moments where it's just like you and God and you know God's there and, and just like, I was envious, you know. I'd like to say it was a spiritual envy, but probably not. It's probably bad. <laughs> but like, it's just like I wanted to know God in these dimensions, to experience him in, in these ways. But I didn't often feel like that happened. He would choose other ways to, to work with me personally. Um, anyways, time goes on. We're doing ministry together. These friends become like my closest friends. We do ministry. We go around. We... Uh, do all kinds of things together. And we found ourselves in Chicago at one point. And throughout that week, we prayed for people to be healed. I think we saw some. We cast a demon out of one girl. We saw that happen. We were there to lead worship. We saw the Holy Spirit show up in all these kinds of ways. And I just remember, this has always stuck with me. During that time, we were in a house. And there's about four of them who have understood the Holy Spirit for years longer than I have. And someone brought up at one point, you know, hey, you remember this person that we used to hang out with all the time who did this kind of ministry with us all the time? You remember them? Like, yeah, yeah. And I don't know who this person is. But I'm, you know, putting them in the same box. They've had these same experiences. They've been through the same thing. And they're like, yeah, apparently, you know, they, they don't really follow God anymore. And all of them just start talking like, can you imagine all the things that we've experienced, all the things that we've been through, the tangible ways in which we've seen God work going from that to just suddenly not believing in God at all. Like, how does that even work? And I myself, though I haven't experienced God like in the same climactic ways that maybe they have, I'm lying there like, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, Maybe to have experiences beyond what I've even had and then just turn away from God. How, how do you go about that? That's like I understand doubt and I understand when uh, like 
the movements of God maybe seem more sparse than they've been. You start to question, you start to wonder. You start learning that there were some things you experienced that were fabrications or maybe you got emotional and fabricated yourself. And I know that's a lot to process, but to go 100% from like, I experienced all this stuff to like, now I don't even think it's real and I quit. Like that just, to me, seemed irrational, like craziness, you know? So time goes on, and here's the weird thing. Those people sitting in that room talking about, like, can you just imagine going from experiencing all that to just leaving God? You know, I haven't talked to them in a long time, but one of them, maybe two, I don't know, have now seemed to go and do the same thing. Rather than talk about God as God, sometimes there's talk about, like, God as the universe, you know, it's more agnostic than Christian Uh, and just like life now doesn't really blend with trying to follow after God or it doesn't seem to be a concern anymore and for me like these are the people I looked up to these are the people that like I wanted to be like these are the people that like in my mind I'm like you should know better you know like you're the ones who taught me (laughs) and now just gone empty and I'm like, how? How do, how do we flip so much? And, you know, if, if I was God, what I'd be thinking is like, oh, well, you know, I, this isn't God, but this is what I would think as a human being. I'd be like, well, you know, good riddance, you know, like <laughs> I poured out my heart. I poured out my soul. I gave you deep, intimate experiences that other people don't get. I've given you everything. And yet you turn from me? You, you leave me? Like I don't even matter? That's, that's how I would think, you know, as a human being. Because that's how I feel sometimes when the same thing happens to me, right? You ever have like a friend closer than a friend, there every moment, they're sleeping in your house every day for some reason. You don't even know if they have a family anymore. You know those kind of friends? <laughs> I, I remember I, I've had several of those, like super close, closer than a brother, and then suddenly within one day, just completely gone, completely gone. Every single day for years together. And then just one day, there's a look in their eyes that just says it's over. And you're like, (laughs) the experiences I poured out, the intimacy I've given over to you, the, the life, the vulnerability that we have with each other. Now just gone in a moment, like that's hard to process as a human to the point that a lot of times you're like, well, good riddance. Forget about it. I gave all this. You gave so much back. And now it's just over. Forget it. That's a lot of times where we get it. And I look back throughout my life and I see a lot of those. I look back and I see um, friends, who other friends who I looked up to. I look back at a lot of my youth group growing up and a lot of them, I don't know if they believe in God or if they're like on the border, on the fence, trying to leave. And like for me, it's just that's a hard thing to process because I'm like, we grew up together. We were in the same place together. We... We went through the same stories, the same experiences. Your experiences are my experiences, and yet you you left. Come on, you know better than that. That's how human Jamin thinks. Israelites. Israelites? Yeah. Yep. Cycle of Judges. One book of the Bible. It's literally just a cycle. We love God. We leave God. We love God. We leave God. We love God. We leave God. We love God, we leave God, we love God. We leave like over and over again. So 
that's that's a part of how it goes. But like, you know, like trying to reach someone far from you, I'm always like, yeah, of course, you know, God wants to reach them. They don't even know the goodness yet. But those who know the goodness and choose to leave, that one's what's hard for me. So how does God handle that? Well, Jesus, who is God in flesh, says, here's how your father handles it. Here's how God handles it. Jesus is saying, when you look at me, you've seen the father. I actually am God. Here's how I handle it. And it's a parable we all know pretty well, especially as it's been brought to light in recent music. Uh, But in Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you. He rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Here you have Jesus just saying, okay, so how does God deal with it? 99% of the people who are following him are following him. They're faithful. They're righteous. They're doing it right. But then there's that one who leaves. You know, a lot of us, we would think like, ah, well, you just lost one. That's pretty good statistics right there, actually. 99% statistics, success rate, good job. (laughs) But God's actually like, no, I will chase them down. I will find them. I will, as the song says, recklessly leave the other 99 on a mountain (laughs) and chase that one down, crossing over whatever I have to go through to find that one. And when I find it, there is going to be such rejoicing like there has never been before. In fact, if we were to read the same parable in Luke 15, in Luke 15, Luke kind of amps it up a notch. He says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. More rejoicing in heaven. And that sometimes throws us off because you got to imagine, right? Okay, so let's imagine that we're the 99 righteous, right? We're in heaven. We get to heaven and God's like, ah, I love you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Would you come in? And then that one guy, The one guy you know (laughs) who's out sleeping around, doing all this stuff, you know, gambling, spending all his money, committing every sin under the sun. That guy, in the last moment, maybe on his deathbed, suddenly he's just like, you know what? God, I have not lived a good life. Would you forgive me? Maybe he even knew God before, right? He was a Christian like you. And then he took off and then he lived all this life. And in the last moment, he's just like, God, would you would you just forgive me? I'm sorry I did all this. So you've entered heaven. It's like, ah, welcome. We're so glad to see you. We love you so much. And then that guy comes in and the angels are like, yeah, baby, yeah. You know, like it's that's the way that Jesus paints his father, like the celebration that he has over that one who repents over that one that once was a part of the flock that got lost, that strayed, that wasn't smart enough to stick with 99 others (laughs) that one god's like i got them back and luke paints a picture of of god picking up that person and putting him over his shoulders and just walking back to the flock and joining the other 99 and when i look at this picture i have to realize 
In the parable, guess which one I am? I'm more like the 99. And you realize what this parable is, right? What comes right after it in Luke? Prodigal son. So you've got the 99 that are the older brother who's like, what? What are you celebrating him for? (laughs) We've been faithful the whole time. We've been following you the whole time. Why, Why are you celebrating the one that just trashed it all, that just ran away? The 99 sheep doing the same thing. You left us up on a hill? (laughs) You left us on the mountain to chase down that guy? God's like, yes. I'm going to be so much celebrating for this. Take the best of all the products we have. Throw the greatest party for my son who is lost has now come home. My daughter who was once lost has now come home. See, human Jamin oftentimes can be bitter about Christians falling away. And I think a lot of times churches don't even treat it with the same kind of dignity that God does, right? Because like when we do our salvation prayer, okay, if you would like to come to Jesus, would you just put your hands up for the first time, hands up. Oh, that's so great. I see that hand, right? You know, you know the joke. Anyways, <laughs> there's all these new Christians and like this is the, the pump up one, right? Yes, they're coming to Jesus. And then we just have our like, well, okay. And so those of you who left and want to come back now, (laughs) like that one's kind of downplayed, but God's like, that's yes, please. I got to have that. Bring them back. I'm going to win them back over. I'm going to beat the enemy. Just bring them to me. That's the kind of heart that we need to have. And most likely every person in this room has someone who used to follow Jesus, who now doesn't keep God's image in your mind, of him celebrating, of bringing that person back. He cares about them. He's not the vindictive God of I-94 up on a billboard like, turn or burn, I'm watching you, hell's a real thing. <laughs> I don't even know where that comes from. <laughs> That's the picture that we painted for so many people. Instead, it should be like, God, like, yeah, baby, you know, like, they came back, I've waited so long. A God never giving up, a God celebrating you, a God who loves you beyond human belief. (laughs) But despite the fact that he poured out all that intimacy, all that joy, all that care on a person, and yet they threw it all away, he would pour it out all over again. I remember, I think it was a vineyard pastor, at least a story I was told about a vineyard pastor This girl would come up to get prayed for every week uh, and she would always get healed. (laughs) And this pastor is always praying for these other people and they wouldn't get healed. They're like, God, why don't you raise that lady out of a wheelchair? Why is it always this person? Because this person is actually sick because you know what they're doing on the weekend? (laughs) They're sick for a reason. Why do you keep healing this one? (laughs) That's the parable of the lost sheep. (laughs) That's the prodigal son. Yes, come home. I'll heal you every time. I love you so much. Doesn't matter how many times you turn, this this space is open to you. I celebrate you. And some people probably make the angels in heaven just really worn out. (laughs) Yeah, they're back. That was quick. You know, like, oh, they're back again. Oh, (laughs) Oh, one more time. Come on. All right, God, next time you bring them back, you better end their life so we can get them up here before it's too late. <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke. You know, I knew somebody that their son did come back to the Lord and kept doing that. And four days after he 
Oh, well. the more you know, everybody. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that's just, we got to have the eyes of God. We got to have the heart of the Father. And the band can come up. Obviously, you know what song we're going to play. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but we need to take it to heart. You know, uh, Corey Asbury got a lot of flack when they wrote this song just for like, you called God reckless, but think of it. God leaving 99 sheep on a hill. Sheep aren't the smartest. <laughs> leaving them on a mountain, leaving them in a pasture, depends on which, you know, book of the Gospels you're reading, but he just leaves them all recklessly behind to go find the one. And maybe if we were just more like sheep, because when that one came back, we'd probably just be like, bah, you know, rather than, <laughs> rather than really him. <laughs> but uh, that's the call for us tonight to, to love like God loves. So as God brings to your mind that one person or that one dozen persons who once used to follow him and then left, uh, think about them. You know, put them in the picture, submit them, take them in your mind, submit them before God. God, how do you see this person? What kind of joy do you take in this person? And allow that to inspire you to to work your way back into their lives to bring them back to Jesus. Along with all those who have uh, yet to meet them, but also those who have and have left. So we're going to worship. Uh, you can take on whatever posture you like. But would you start by staying with us?